Hey, what's up, guys? It's Upgrade America Podcast. This is CJ the Day Slayer. Um, this episode, we're talking about special operations. Um, we're talking about the killing of uh, Gadi, I believe that's his name, short version, in North Syria recently. And we're just going to discuss um, the future of special operations in the U.S. military. Um, but this can be applicable to everybody's country because every country has special operations. Special operations, for example, is like Navy SEALs, Delta Force, Rangers, um, groups like that, for example. Um, those are the most popular ones. So we just wanted to shed a little light and discuss and show our appreciation as fellow veterans who have served in the military in a combat role. Uh, the thanks, gratitude, and sacrifice that these girls and guys make. Um, hope you enjoy the podcast. Hope you learned something. Peace. What's up, world? Cameron Ra. I'm your host for the Upgrade America podcast with my dear associate and, and friend and co-host CJ the Day Slayer. What's good, man? What's going on? Good evening. We in here. We in here. We in here. First oh, yeah. and foremost, uh, we have Patreon now, so give us your money. Seriously, the link's in the description below. Please uh, help support the channel, and we're only going to make it greater and greater. And, yeah, so I know we got some – well, we got any new countries out there around the world who are checking us out, CJ? Uh, man, so what we did is shout out – no, everybody's still the same. It's Australia, Netherlands, Germany, Poland, Canada. Um, Thinking on a – U.S. obviously. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody I'm missing. We appreciate the support though. Yeah. And, um, it's Upgrade America, but we truly care about your issues as well as around the world. We're going to be uh, um, discussing a lot of issues that are happening abroad. And foreign Absolutely. policy is a part of American diplomacy. And we're going to be addressing those in the near future. But today, um, we're going to be talking about current events um what was it october 26th went in and uh, i believe it was in syria and they did a raid on um on baghdadi's compound and with the intent to capture or kill the head leader of isis unfortunately um the leader was not captured alive he detonated a suicide bomb that he had on his chest he took out two of his children and yeah. oh i believe they did some dna testing and they confirmed it was him now here's the thing here's the catch here's here's the monkey wrench and the whole thing mm-hmm. where that they buried him at sea shortly after like they did with osama bin laden i didn't know about that yeah, this did some. Uh, I was doing some research today, and, and I, I found that out. Official statement from the Pentagon, mm-hmm. and like um, again with all the conspiracy theorists and nuts out there, it's like man is blown to pieces. Nothing is left but trace evidence of blood. 
and then remains are buried at sea. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't get to research this, but I'm going to do so uh, later on. Like, why do you think that is? That <laughs> these uh, most wanted men are, are, are buried at sea? I am not totally sure, but I'm going to take an educated guess based on our experiences being abroad in combat zones, especially Middle East. Yeah. I'm assuming we don't want to inflame other up-and-coming terrorists or give them more excitement by showing our victory on killing one of their leaders. So I, I, think- I beg to differ because Saddam Hussein was, we captured him, American forces captured him, and he was hung in, uh, in public. You know? Yeah, I think, I now, think it's- that because he was a world, he was a, a, a a leader of a sovereign nation. Probably, People yeah. I think I have is it because mm-hmm. you think that's the reason? Mm-hmm. And I'm still not buying that. I don't want to say it's because people would go desecrate the remains of these uh, terrorist leaders, mm-hmm. like people who, you know, who had conflict or people who were pissed off about, you know, all the, the stuff that they've done in, in their tenure. I don't know. But that's just something that was uh, sticking out to me, man, I really don't get. But without further ado, yeah, let's discuss Spec Ops and, um, you know, pretty much the raid. Is there anything else you want to talk about the raid that stuck out to you? Well, you mentioned this, and I thought of the same thing instantly when you mentioned it. You said it's always convenient that a president gets a high-value target mm-hmm. right for a re-election or some kind of major political event. Isn't it, though? Yeah, and the timing of it couldn't be more perfect because now you're seeing impeachment inquiries starting to ramp up and you're seeing him getting booed everywhere, like all these sporting events. So it's it's quite fascinating to see and, and, the timing. And, and, no, it's like the, not only the timing, but the, how you say, the dubious confirmation. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, we got his uh, Ancestry.com packet and we did DNA on some brains that we found splattered on the wall and pff, it's a mess. 94.5% positive or whatever, the, you know, the stats are. I don't know. Like, I, it's just, maybe that's just me questioning everything, you know, try to look Absolutely. I don't know. That's that's just me. But um, at the same time, if it is true, you know, um, congrats to the spec ops out there, you know, uh, keeping America and the world safe. So we got to take a pause right there and explain what spec ops is. Basically, a special operation. So these individuals are highly specially trained for the most dangerous, the most impossible missions out there. And every sovereign nation has a group like this. Yes. Um, I can think of one of the toughest ones are the, was it the SAS with the Brits? I they kind of they kind of started. Well, no, I would be lying if I, I said they started it. Spec Ops has been around since like <laughs> you think about the um, the Trojan horse. They're mm-hmm. using unconventional warfare, warfare that's not everyday type of warfare style. So if you're familiar with the Trojan horse, it's a bunch of guys they went in and then they they were in a little little horse that was supposed to be a gift. They. The king took it into the city, like, hey, I got this gift, and then these guys came out at night, killed everybody, did what they had to do. But um, Spec Ops have been around for a while, and Actually, SAS, um, 
it's just we modeled a lot of our uh, special operations off of the, the SAS style, even to copying their berets. But mm-hmm. Nick, you were saying? Well, I was going to say in America, like, you're not wrong on your historical vantage point of special operations. But in America, it started in the 80s. Like, kind of the formation where it's more organized. We were okay, doing stuff so no, like... Let's, let's, I, I want to say no, because the special okay. forces were definitely in Vietnam. The, the U.S. Army Green Berets. Now, I want to say Kennedy started... Mm, start the seals did he start the seals around in the 60s as well they and then here's the thing the uh the the delta force that was around that was really big in the 80s as well i think what you're saying is that the command yeah 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 by the command of special operations was like formed in the 80s but they had special operators you know that were, were doing their thing for, for far longer than that but some of the most uh, most notable ones are the definitely the u.s army special forces cool love what you do so what their mission typically is is you ever hear the term military advisors they used it a lot in vietnam and it's a very um ambiguous way of you know to just talk about military force but what they special forces do they go into a country they work with the indigenous people and then they train them they work side by side and then they say hey let's say we got 10 special forces and then they're going to train like a let's just say they train 10 guys of the indigenous forces then those guys are trained to train and then they raise an army, a local army, and then they fight alongside them, and they do what they do. That's why you see a lot of them, they often have uh, their beards, and mm-hmm. you know, I remember they're, seeing that. They're, out, they're really out there with no support, and that's why I have such a high respect for them. Now, a, a kind of branch off of Special Forces is Delta Force. They're a Tier 1 operating group, and they're kind of like the, uh, the Navy's equivalent the, is SEAL Team 6. Not all okay. SEAL teams are tier one. Like SEAL Team 6 is a very special team. They do high uh, op tempo missions. But Delta Force is, is a branch off of that. Also, the 75th Rangers, they're part of uh, Army Special Operations. I kind of want to go through, hit like one from every branch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. go for it. Go for they it. They can be like deployed anywhere in the world within like 18 hours. They're high speed grunts. And you know they do everything that security forces do, but they do—they're trained to do it under sleep deprivation and without uh, without food. And they're highly deployable. Um, what else? So civil affairs. Uh, my brother was actually in there. They work with a lot of civilian resources to coordinate operations and, and, and things in the combat theater. Um, so let's move on to the Navy. The most notable one is Dev Group SEAL Team Six, but they have other SEAL teams as well. They have Navy Intel, which is really big as well. And I'm gonna be, well, let's hit the Marines real quick. The Marines have the Marine Raiders and they have the regiment. And they have uh, other regiments as well. It wasn't very clear on what these guys do. I know they have an Intel unit also, but Air Force, we gotta hit them. We're gonna I'm hit both. It, baby. Oh. Let's get it. Indeed. Cool. So you got the CCTs, the combat controllers, 
pretty much what these guys do. They got the Scarlet Berets. They go into the combat zones. They either take over air bases so that we can fly our planes into there, or they're uh, they're landing plane they're landing planes in places where planes usually don't land under fire. It's a pretty uh, pretty intense career. So pararescue is really special because these guys are literally doctors and surgeons. They're like the only career field that can like. I don't know, do open heart surgery under fire. These guys are pretty tough and they have to be able to, they have to be tough so that they can hack it with the toughest of, of the spec ops. Big uh, salute to these guys as well. Love what you do. Spec ops weather, like a lot of people don't know how critical weather is to the, to the battlefield and these weather conditions and, and knowing this can, it brings great advantage to, uh, it, it can be used for military tactics. So Spec Ops uh, weather is, is very critical. Love what you guys do as well. Cool. Um, now, because we're the Air Force, we also have Spec Ops planes. And they're like, these are planes that they're just designed to do close air support. So when there's troops on the ground and they're pinned down by enemy fire, we'll call in our nine line and we like, hey, we need you to lay, lay some ordnance over there and take these, uh, take these bad guys out. But they got planes. For people that don't know. Oh, yeah, part, pardon my military jargon, but yeah, to drop bombs. So here's some more military jargon for you when next time you're watching a war movie. If you ever hear the term danger close, you, you hear the guy, he's in there, ah, bullets flying. Yeah, danger close, we need you to drop some ordnance. It means that we need you to drop bombs, but take into consideration, it's so bad. The enemy is so close that when you're dropping bombs, you may be uh, hitting friendlies. And maybe you have to take friendlies into consideration because they're so close. Danger close. But, yeah, there's spec op planes, but we can't forget. Love what you guys do. Close air support saves lives. But, uh, well, I suppose it also takes lives as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Also, TACP. TACP, um, they kind of do... They call in air support as well. They work very closely with the army, and they're very critical to close air support. So, um, salute to you guys as well. Cool. Don't want to forget the our beloved um, security forces brethren, the A twentieth. Um, Don't get me started. I got biased feelings. I'm already not just yeah. I'm stationed with them, so I've been a couple. Let's address that right now. What are your thoughts on the A twentieth? They're pretty high-speed guys and gals. They are, but when you're stationed with them, they're annoying as fuck. Like, I'm just going to keep it real. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was stationed where they trained. Like, my first duty station uh-huh. was I see, I 20th here and then regular SF there, you know, so. Always rivalry, rivalry yeah. between security forces, squad, particularly when you had security forces that were working nukes and then you had the security forces that were doing regular security in LA and there's always conflict be not conflict but you know right. like, yeah yeah like yeah so I, I totally get that but a 20 if I couldn't imagine because they're they're high speed they know they're high speed and I I, I see them wanting to some of them wanting to rub it in with no hard feelings but I do consider them part of special operations because they're not doing your typical um, security forces duty and they're highly deployable. So I'm thinking, don't they fall in the same category as air assault? Because we can do that as mm-hmm. SF and then uh, Ravens. They're all kind of 
it's like tears to it, sort of. I suppose you could, yeah. Why we might yeah. as well consider the Ravens as well because that's a special duty uh, assignment. Mm-hmm. You got to do special training for it. It's not as intense as eight twentieth. Yeah, I think it's like right underneath that, if I remember correctly. But we still got to show them, uh, you know, uh, pay homage to. Oh, I, res- I respect oh. them. It's just like as soon as you said, I'm just like. <laughs> just I like them because they are repping. Uh, they're repping the Air Force. I do believe they're portrayed in one of Iron Man's movie, in the uh, security forces in Afghanistan or eighth one. one? Was second it the second first one? one? Maybe the first I one. I don't recall. It might have been the first one, but yeah, it might have been the first one. The, I don't know. That's it's all good though. It's they're, all still, good. they're still on the list on the yeah, tier, absolutely. but yeah, that's pretty much the list of the. It's a high-level list. There's tons of units that uh, we didn't go over. But these are the resources. Because here's the thing. The, the emphasis is on, how do you say, on Delta Force. They went in and, and they conducted the raid. Big use of canines this time around. Interesting. Well, they're highly, you know, they're senses. Indeed, I, I could see that now. But it's like, um, when I was downrange, there were canines. But I think they're... Um, they're, they're starting to be deployed more. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome to have canines. Are you kidding me? They can oh, hear yeah, better, they, smell better. They get a fun fact for you viewers out there. The canines get ranks and promotions based upon their successes in military operations. Like, yeah. they have their own little ranks and stuff. It's pretty cool. And uh, when they're done their careers, they retire, and then they, um, they get to live with military families. So it's pretty cool. But um, what else about Spec Ops? But yeah, so it's like you gotta remember, there's helicopters that took these teams in. Those are also Spec Op groups. Like, yeah, they um. What's well, a good? Get... I'm a good pop culture example is uh, what's that movie? Black, uh, Black Hawk Down oh. was X yeah. because that had that actually featured Delta Force. And the mm-hmm. way you could distinguish between the Delta Force. Uh, mm-hmm. Delta Force soldiers, and I do believe that was the 75th Rangers. Yeah, they had the Rangers. The 75th yeah. Rangers were doing like the perimeter, they're holding the cordon, and then the Delta Force were going in for the extractions. But they had, if you notice, they had the high speed helmets, they had the really cool Gucci gear. And um, what I really liked about special operations is they get to test out a lot of prototypes. Like, yeah, you know, absolutely. typical, uh, you know, security forces. Yeah, we get some pretty cool, the pack fours and the pack twos. And for you civilians out there, these are like a pack four. How would you describe that? It's like a, you, it can be used as a, um, an ultra, an infrared flashlight. And you can also use it to mark targets. Yeah. And what I mean by infrared is like, if you're going into a building, you know, you got typical lasers where everyone can see. An infrared yeah. laser, you can only see if you have night vision goggles on. So this is very advantageous if you need to mark targets that you don't want the enemy to see. So we got all that good stuff. But the spec ops, remember, you ever hear about that XM8? It's like a polymer yes. carbine rifle. Was that in G.I. Joe? I think it was in G.I. Joe. Maybe. I might have seen it in that the first one, maybe. But first? these guys, special forces got to test it. Yeah, like, the test uh, a lot of these, and it's I don't know. And sometimes, uh, like, 
third party vendors for like military gear will like give them gear and you know let them test stuff too but that's another cool aspect of of, of the the career i should say but let's get into these questions man. all right cool shoot one for me if, if you got yours on deck i am unprepared and must scroll through my phone man you highly prepared i'm very proud of you this episode y'all get hey i'm just woo! Well, again, one of my, I I wanted to uh, to join this career field. Unfortunately, for Air Force, one of the barriers is a 500 meter swim, nonstop. So I did try out. Mm-hmm. I was thinking maybe going combat controller or TACP. So I did the uh, no TACP didn't have to swim for. It. Was that PJs? What for a combat controller or for a PJ, yeah, you got to swim 500 meters. Uh-huh. But it's, it's a tough, uh, it's, it's a tough exam. So uh, I'll shoot the first question. How do you think Americans feel about special operations? Their general attitude. What do you think they think? What do you think they feel about it? And um, well, you referenced GI Joe, uh-huh. <laughs> and GI Joe was the epitome of special operations if you really really look at it so to some degree i would say that the average american hails special operators as superheroes and i as a military member do as well when you think about the amazing feats that these guys are performing under pressure under fire in intense combat and then you think about the intense training. Like some of these guys can hold their breath for five minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> sometimes I struggle at 40 seconds. Yeah. But, um, these guys are, are incredible and they train day in, day out. It's like you see professional athletes and they're pushing their bodies to the limit, you know, to play a game. But these guys are pushing their bodies to a limit to keep America safe. So I, I can't say how the average American feels about them, but like these, to me, these are these are our heroes, our superheroes. Okay, I'm gonna shoot you the next question. Um, I, I'll just go off my questions real quick. Okay. Um, what are the combat rules for special operations that you remember? Like, what are their rules of engagement? Okay. So here's where it gets a bit murky. <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> it's like, so we can't talk about special operators without talking about black ops. Because if I would say nine out of 10 black operatives are, you know, they're being selected from these tier one uh, military, military groups, i.e. Delta Force, i.e. SEAL Team 6. So, um, (laughs) I mean, say what you're comfortable with, but I had to ask the question to broaden the perception of what Uh, we think about. So, the rules, okay, so daylight rules. And I mean, when I mean daylight, I mean like when you're wearing a uniform and you're wearing a rank insignia and it has your name and, and what country you represent, then the rules still apply. Geneva Conventions must be followed and adhered to. Um, 
laws of, of armed conflict, all those things, I, I believe they should they should adhere to it. They, they should be acting like um, a SWAT team, more or less. You yeah. know, not breaking the rules. You're, you're doing what you're supposed to do because you're going in under American colors. Now, when we talk about nighttime operations, like in the dark, <laughs> in the shadows, like this did not happen. Essentially, you're talking about state-sponsored terrorism. And um, while I'm sure in, in this uh, in this gray world of diplomacy and global politics, mm-hmm. I'm sure it has its place, but it's um, under my administration. If such things had to occur, and we have never like avowed to them that they did, hit military targets and mm-hmm. try to minimum minimize damage so um this brings me to i know historically we were talking about spec ops before i want to run this back so okay. world war ii the nazis actually had their spec ops i don't want to praise the nazis but they did a, a pretty kick-ass job because they rescued mussolini without killing a single person i didn't know that and then they went in then they 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 flew him on a helicopter i'm sorry on a plane cleared over the alps and took off not a single shot fired um one of my favorite spec op groups is the green berets and i'll I'll tell you why it was the green berets because i played have you ever played metal gear solid Years ago, yeah. Awesome game, but you, the, yeah. the, the, one of the main characters, Metal Gear Solid Three, was Big Boss, and he was a Green Beret, and he was renowned as the the greatest warrior of all times. But if you play the game, like, and you play the game to perfection, which I have never done, you can play the game and make it to the end without killing a single person. Mm, okay. Supposed to be the epitome of of a, a the ultimate soldier should be able to do his do his mission without firing a single without killing a single person, and it's people have done it in the game and you earn a reward for it, but um, I think that's where we should be striving towards towards taking in uh, these high value targets alive, like Bravo, like. Baghdadi is not alive and operating within ISIS. However, you know, uh, his brain, picking his brain, interrogating him and getting information would have been detrimental to uh, to crushing them completely. And detrimental or advantageous? I would think it would be very... Did I use that? Yeah, I think you used it in the opposite. I think you meant like it had been to our advantage to capture him alive and try ah, to... So I did use that as context. So that's is that taking him alive would be very advantageous to, uh, you know, to quelling this, uh, this this terrorism that's happening with ISIS. But I guess... I got one more question. Okay, yeah, because I'm wanting to segue into one of mine. But go ahead, throw, throw it at me. Okay, last one from me to you. What is the future for our special operations in your opinion? I definitely see an expansion and I'm basing that off of um, 9-11. So prior to 9-11, if you wanted to be a Green Beret, you had to be like an infantry person and you had to already be in the army in the combat unit. And then you transition into uh, that elite special forces. 
They actually brought in the X-ray program, which means the average person could come in off the street and go straight to um, they could go straight to special forces training. Wow! And that's because we needed we had a demand for spec ops for this war on terror, and ultimately we we want to see the end of war, and it seems like wars conventional wars are on the downtrend like how many years has it been since world war ii well i guess vietnam would be the last kind of war or no that's considered more of a conflict um i would it's war is war people were dying and there's a loss of life but But, when i when you're comparing it to world war one world war two when they call world war one the war to end all wars like it was that bad in World War Two. I mean, we dropped the, we used an atomic bomb for the for the first time, obliterated hundreds of thousands of lives in an instant. So forty five was when it ended, right? If I remember correctly, World yeah, War Two. Yeah, I don't do public math. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's been a while. But, yeah. Um, and like I said, that's a great thing. However, what we're seeing is more common is we're seeing terrorist organizations so answer your question i see less of a need for tanks and you know um and and things of that nature and and more of a need of uh specially trained operatives to go in and 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 take these down however what you must consider is that special operations and intelligence goes hand in hand absolutely an increase for intel and an increase for special operators, you know, to go in and use that intel to, to. We need to engage with precision rather than with. Blow everything up, like. <laughs> oh no, 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 like. Scalpel, not a sledgehammer. Precisely, but moreover, like I said in in Metal Gear Solid, I want operatives that are specially trained like that, that they can go in and and take, and take you know targets alive because they are more of more value because here's the thing mm-hmm. terrorism is not a snake it's not cut off the head of the snake and the snake is dead no it is a mythological mythological creature excuse me it's the hydra you're you're familiar with that yeah was that that seven heads god of war may might have been seven heads it had mult it was a multi-headed sea serpent and if yeah. you cut this the head off one another one would grow back Okay. Or, or did it multiply? I don't recall. I don't remember it, it was a, it was a, it was a monster that you know you you, you cut the head off and and more heads would go back. This is the same game, because when you have independent cells that are operating autonomously from a, a single unit, it's not like oh we took out Bad Daddy like the show's over. Like nah, like guys got their own resources, they have their own plans, and it doesn't quite work like that. So we would need more scalpels like you mentioned to, to go in and, and take this out but if there's any type of communication between these cells taking in a leader someone with critical information because they got to communicate sometime i mm. imagine you know taking these guys in a little so let me bounce my question at you okay go hand in hand so da, 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 da. Um, so it's prudent to take high-value targets alive for intel and due process, of course, because we're a democracy. We don't execute people right on the spot like we. We're a democratic republic. Yeah, I use that loosely. Mm. Well, 
You're right. We're, we're, full of democracy, tell you that. Right. we're far from a perfect democracy. I, I believe we are. We have like a C grade rating for <laughs> between a low B and a high C grade rating for uh, democracy. Believe it or not, there's a score for it. You can Google it and see where we stand. But um, due process and all that. Mm. How do you feel about enhancing less than lethal weapons? Should like, be done. Go ahead. I would really like to work with DARPA and, you know, and enhance this program to we need weapons that um, we can take targets alive with. I think it should be case by case, depending on who the target is. Mm-hmm. Um, I say why not? Less than lethal is always better than just taking them out unless like you're just it's just that hostile then you don't have a choice but i would say most of the time we already know what we're going to come in there and do again so and that's also and this is going them. with remember we have superior intel we're beefing up our intel so we know how to catch these guys when their guards down we know how to go in quiet and you know like i don't know some taser bullets or something well we have all that it's just a matter of we're going to use it or not I think we, we pretty much have most of that enhanced, less than lethal methods. It's the fact that are we using it more frequently is the question I would say. And I think we need to use it more frequently. I think it would be uh, more value in, in, in doing it like that. I'll throw this out there. Why don't just use truth serum on them? We have that at our disposal. Truth like, serum? Yeah, once you uh, capture them, just inject them with truth. Right, yeah, yeah, I'm all for that, but we have to capture them first. Well, yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Once we capture uh, We need to change our tactics to where we're taking in guys alive so we can apply truth soon and, you know, jumper cables. I mean, waterborne. I mean, no, no. Like, the United States does not uh, <laughs> torture prisoners of war. Well, we outsource it. <laughs> so let me go on to my next question <laughs> who's your favorite special ops team and did you ever consider joining while you were enlisted navy seals um and no never considered it <laughs> I, I watched the pjs when we were in tech school yeah like no that was enough to know nah that ain't for me when they were sleeping at chow hall at the chow yeah. Sleep deprivation at its finest, yeah. I mean, knocked out at lunch. We're sitting there like, they're actually sleep. Like, that's how intense you sleep when you, you sleep when you can, I guess. So, for me, nope. Never considered it at all. Interesting. As I mentioned, um, I did try out for combat controller. And then I didn't even try to do the swim. Like, I did the running and the push-ups and all that, the pull-ups. They're like, no, the five around I'm just like, no, like, why? It's not going to happen. Like, yeah. yeah now I, I train, and I still say probably not. I'm not a good swimmer. Like, I'm a decent right. swimmer, but yeah. not 500. I'm not Navy SEAL, combat controller, yeah. Air Force spec op swimming inside now they do let you wear fins so i know that gives you a, a bit more of a boost but still uh, i was not confident with myself at the time but uh i did have a strong adoration for the, the u.s army special forces aka the green berets and i thought about going blue to green you remember that program yeah i remember that 
course. I respect Green Berets thing. too. I, I'm with you on the Green Berets. I think they're second for me. Because they don't require initially. They don't require any swimming like airplane stuff. However, believe it or not, they do host the hardest dive school in United in the Department of Defense and in the military. Like special forces dive training is the Navy, the SEALs go there. You know, it's part of their training too. It's pretty tough. But I wanted to do that, but then. I don't know why I didn't. I read a book, an excellent book called Chosen Warrior. is written by a Navy SEAL, and I totally right. forget his name, but he followed the training path of the, the Special Forces, and he went yes. step by step, and I was just reading. I actually read it in Iraq. Okay. And I did a lot of reading in uh, Afghanistan myself. I read probably 25 books. Yeah, I read quite a few books myself, and it was a, it was a really outstanding book, but it gave insight, talking about, oh, they're carrying logs, yeah, Here, PJs did that. I remember that. Duffel bags full of sand. Remember the, the duffel bags that we had? It's really intense training. You had to work as a team, of course, but you had to do these crazy obstacles. And at the time, it was like it was a lot of dedication. I would have loved to, to do the Green Beret, live that adventurous life, but it was like I don't know. It, it wasn't. So what, you, what, what else you got, Mr. Rob? You got a couple more questions, man. Certainly, certainly. So, um, considering that, um, should females be permitted to join special operations? If yeah. so, should they be co-ed or separate units? Yes, and co-ed because, and I was torn on it because I'm like, they are different. They're women. Yes. And you're going to get grungy. Y'all going to be probably exposed but then i thought about it, said okay but if you train them separately that defeats the purpose because when you do go out on a mission you're going to be together yeah so i say co-ed with special well, I could have could have could have female units and i would i would like to see it co-ed cohesively yeah. again because eventually we're gonna have to deal with this the the lgbtq etc so you, when you have transsexuals, you you have that conundrum. So you might as well like, hey, everyone works together, and this is this is the mission we have to do. Like you are chosen warriors, you're special operators. You can learn to work cohesively. So I, I would say co-ed, yeah. and I would like to see females do it too. Because here's the thing: I know females who can whoop my ass. So it's like, if you're, the bottom line is, if you meet the physical, the mental requirements. To, to do the job, I think you should be able to do the job. I agree. Um, That's one thing I can respect about SF in our mm -hmm. career field. Yeah. Pretty much how it works. Like, if you can hold your weight, because typically females are smaller, but if you can hold your weight for your size, mm -hmm. we got you 100%. As long as you can point down range and you got our six or our back, you know. At the same time it, saying that, I remember females who could shoot far better than me as well. Absolutely. I know my, one I can think of top of my head right now. It's like this whole... Yeah. I think the biggest obstacle is it's not a matter of strength or skill because, as we mentioned, there's women who have proven that. It's the whole psychological aspect of a woman in danger, how a man is going to react. Yep, I was going to say the same thing. factor to it, but, um... 
I think if you train together, you won't be necessarily in that mindset as much as you probably would think if you're and training I, together. And like, I think so too because you even have camaraderie among men, and mm -hmm. it's like you know, if you're going to combat with your with your buddy and your buddy gets hit, you still have to keep your head in the game, like yeah. just lose your lose focus because you know your comrades down. You know, apply pressure and, you know, keep your weapon down range, keep firing and, and treat the wound uh, as, as soon as possible. But so if, if but I don't know, I haven't experienced that. Whereas yeah, because if, um, what, I would say real quick before you ask your, ask your last question, mm -hmm. I would say just based on my experience as security forces, I'm thinking of examples of what we're talking about. And I think... There might have been a couple examples where the woman wasn't necessarily reliable. Say if I think if we're in a combat situation, mm -hmm. she would do the minimum, but I couldn't really depend on her. I think there were, but it wasn't that many examples of that. Cause most of the women that I remember being with were pretty sharp. Like they're and, high speed. And, and the, the, the um, effect is cause I know there are guys who are not as reliable either. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Matter right. of, um, again, I think sex is impertinent, meaning it's, it's really not important. The gender is, is not very important. It's can yeah. you do the mission? Yeah. And there may come a time where we need every able body. And mm -hmm. if we are still conflicting over gender, like we need to get over that. We cannot lose the fight to the aliens because we can't figure this gender thing out. So let me get to my last question here. Considering we're fighting more terrorist groups, why would increasing spec ops and intelligence? Why would the this be a, a, a new approach for our military? Also consider that AI and robots can do basic grunt and pilot ops. So um, before you answer, I want to ask another question. Did you see that Boston's robotics um yeah i seen those, robots. those you see the other one like i believe it was a russian company they put out it's like dual it's dual toting two pistols yeah 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 i think robots I are using guns like that's a reality and mm -hmm. they'll be able to march and engage targets and do basic infantry operations very soon it's gonna be terrifying but it, it's it's a reality so the pivot back to the question mm -hmm. like and then, you know, we got drones that can drop ordnance and do all that stuff. Like, mm -hmm. human beings in the military that are doing um, direct action type of stuff, I think it's going to be more spec ops. Like, what do you, is you, you think that's where we're transitioning to? Well, that's what I was, you and I going back and forth about this versus conventional versus spec ops, how we need to boost our spec ops versus conventional. Mm -hmm. Since our missions are changing to be more conflict orientated and more uh, urban right a guerrilla warfare and asymmetrical warfare so knowing that i think north korea has one of the best examples of their army up there is pretty much spec ops 70 percent of their uh their forces are spec ops but here's what you gotta consider okay go ahead. north korea's spec ops they're not all like commandos and gi joe type of gals and, and, and guys they're the perfect example that was given to me remember uh our high-speed lieutenant and osan 
Yakubit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. But what he mentioned, uh, how he described how they, what soft forces are, special operation forces, he's okay. saying an Ajima, an old, that's Korean, Hangul for an, an older Korean lady, an Ajima who accesses the base, whether she works on the base or she, she infiltrated the base, got signed on to the base. If she accessed the flight line and took a ball, a bucket full of ball bearings and dumped it on the runway, that's considered soft forces. That's considered unconventional uh, 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 warfare. Like gotcha. the planes could suck up those ball bearings and then you can't generate sorties, they can't fly. Yep. Yeah, you're right. So uh, that's just one example of, of, of soft forces. It's not all commando types. It's very broad, as we mentioned with uh, American forces as well. But I just want to give one more salute to uh, to the team that went out there, and uh, even to the K9 as well. You have the great work in. <laughs> well, you will be upgrading America. Yeah. Yeah. Any closing remarks? Um, interesting, exciting topic here. Um, like I said, behind the scenes, we've gone back and forth about this. <laughs> so I think this is the first time we've actually been kind of lockstep with uh, how we feel about special operations. I hope you guys got a lot from this. Uh, do your research because we're going off of first-hand knowledge, a little bit of quick research. So I want to stress this to everybody. Do your own independent resource. Uh, research Indeed. multiple sources. Make sure you use multiple sources. And fact check us and let us know when we're wrong in the comments below. Absolutely, because I know we be just flying out here. I'm usually never wrong. <laughs> um, any closing marks for you? Yeah. We got Patreon now, so send us some money. This show gone. <laughs> Um, get the like and subscribe and boom, look forward to see you on the next episode. Well, I got Peace. Peace.